Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So we're in a series we started last week that we're calling Carriers, that we are all carriers of different emotions through this experience that we're all going through. And and last week, Matt took us through what it's like to be a carrier of peace rather than worry. Today, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a carrier of faith rather than fear. Next week, we'll talk about what it's like to be a carrier of of hope through what we're walking through. But I started thinking this week of um, what's a time I have felt some of the greatest fear in my life? And I thought of years ago when when one of my daughters, I think she was about three years old, and and I'm at work and and I get a call saying, hey, we can't find her. She's gone. It's a summer day and all the kids had been outside playing. I go, what do you mean? She's like, she's gone. We can't find her. We don't know how long she's been missing. And, and at the time, I'm living in Brentwood and I'm working in Livermore. And for those of you who make that commute on Vasco Road, especially about you know, 15, 16 years ago, I jump in my car in, in the late afternoon and I, and I start you know, jamming to her home and and fear begins to consume me. The fears of, where is my daughter? The fear of, will I ever see my daughter again? The fear of what's happened to her. The fear of who has her. The fear of, you know, what is she experiencing? What is she going through right now? The, the fear of, I can't get through this traffic fast enough. And this is at a time when cell phones weren't all that great. And so, you know, you hit Vasco Road and cell phone reception is, is non-existent and I can't get through, I can't get any updates. And fear was consuming me over what was happening to my daughter. Where was she? Now, we're all experiencing different types of fears right now. And all of us are experiencing it at at different levels and and different variances of of what it is that we're going through. And some of the fears we're experiencing right now is, is the fear of not being able to provide for your family right now. Works short or, or non-existent or you've been laid off or you've been furloughed or maybe the fear is we're gonna lose our home through this or I'm gonna lose my business through this or maybe the fear for you is like my retirement has been obliterated. I don't know when I'm going to get to retire now and and bring this all to an end. Or maybe your fear is, Scott, I fear exposure every day at work when I go into work. And some of you, I mean, man, the utmost admiration for you, you're on the front line of this. And your fear is, what am I bringing home to my family every day? For some, it's the fear of death. You see, we all experience fear. It's one of the reasons why, why the Bible over and over and over again gives us the encouragement, do not fear. But there's a tension we feel as, as Christ followers. There's this, there's this tension we feel of, well, man, if I'm a person of faith, if, I've, if I'm following Christ, then I shouldn't feel fear. And if I feel fear, does that mean I'm lacking faith somehow? And some of you have even been told that. It's your lack of faith that's causing this. And what we want to see today is is that's not necessarily true. In fact, it's not true 
at all. There's a, a story about a man named Peter in, in the account of Matthew that, that Matthew wrote about the, the life of Christ. And Peter has an experience that I think all of us can relate with. And all of us are probably even experiencing here and now. And, and Peter had a moment where his fear became faith, only to become fear again, to then be redirected back to faith. Now, how many of you sitting at home right now can like identify with that? Like my hand is up right now. Like I identify with that. So Matthew chapter 14 has the story for us. And, and as we kind of pick up in this story, what's been happening previous to this is Jesus has been healing people. He's traveling around. He just fed 5,000 plus people. I mean, just doing some really miraculous, crazy stuff. And, and he, he gathers his disciples at the end of a day and he says, hey, listen, I want you to get in the boat. I want you to go across the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to you know, dismiss the crowd here and, and I'll meet you on the other side. And so he packs them up in a boat to head off in the sea. Now, the sea is really a lake. It's about eight miles wide, but it's called the Sea of Galilee. So the disciples climb in the boat and they're ready to go. And here's where we pick up the story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, now this eight-mile journey across the lake normally would take about four hours to row across. I mean, they're, half of them are fishermen. They know how to do this. But because of the, the wind, because of the storm that had come up, they at this point have been rowing about eight to nine hours. And they're only halfway across. And I have to imagine they're, they're exhausted emotionally. They're exhausted physically. They're probably already having these thoughts of, are we even going to make it across? Like, this storm is serious. We were not expecting this. And we're told that shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. It's almost like if the storm isn't bad enough, now in the middle of it, you see this figure walking to you on the water. And they respond in terror. They respond in fear. They respond like, what is happening? Who is that? And they cried out in fear. Last October, my wife and I took, took our collective kids, you know, our tribe, to um, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. Now, already you can feel the poor parental decision-making process that we went through in doing that. And part of, honestly, what I enjoyed, which was totally wrong about the whole experience, was as we're walking through, and of course, they're trying to scare you every which way they can, and, and some of our kids are literally being scared, and they're cowering, and they're running, and they're screaming, and you're kind of laughing, and all this kind of stuff. The hindsight, the result, looking back, two of my adult daughters had nightmares for like a couple weeks afterwards. And this is the experience the disciples are having. Like they're in the middle of something that is out of their control. They're worried about even making it to the other side. And now this figure appears to them on the water. And this is the first thing we see about fear and faith. That fear is a constant companion. Fear is a constant companion. Fear strikes at will. We're not necessarily in control of when fear strikes us because fear is part of human nature. 
we're told there's basically four basic types of fear that we experience in life. And, and the first is a warning fear. This is the kind of fear that it's, it's legitimate. It's like, hey, this is trouble ahead of you. Like course correction is necessary here or, or this isn't gonna turn out well. A warning fear is like, that's a hot stove. Don't put your hand on it. You know what's gonna happen. It serves as a protector for us. And then there's ego fear. And ego fear is kind of slippery because ego fear is, is more about us. And ego fear is like, will I, will I be admired? Will, will I be successful? Will, will I be liked? Will people remember me? It's, it's, it's this thing that can begin to control decisions that we make. And then there's a trauma fear. The trauma fear is difficult because just a trauma fear is something that's deeply embedded inside of us, an experience that we've gone through that, that can even fundamentally change who we are. And then we're told there's an invitational fear. An invitational fear is one that says, hey, there's, you're on the right track and, and there's an opportunity that, man, if you step into this, could be life-changing for you. Now, I think in this scenario right here, I think the disciples in the boat, I think they're feeling probably parts of all four of these. There's the warning fear of, we're in a storm. This is not looking good. This is me not end well. There's the ego fear, because let's be honest, it's a bunch of guys in a boat. And they're probably like, well, I'm not going to like start crying in the back because that would be embarrassing. And I'm going to keep Rama real hard. You know, there's like ego because it's guys in there. And then there's a trauma fear. There's, there's fear of like, we may drown. I remember when I was a kid and I fell out of the boat. And you know, there's probably... And then there's some invitational fear going on here, which is what we're going to see. So the disciples in the middle of the storm, they're not expecting Jesus to show up. And so they respond in terror. They respond with fear. And we're told that Jesus immediately says to them, take courage. It's I. Do not be afraid. Now, this is amazing what he says when he says, take courage. He says, it is I. What he's saying here is, is ego a me. It's the Greek for I am, all caps, I am. And what Jesus is doing to, to the disciples who would recognize the language that's being used here, we may not, but this is what I'm going to tell you. The disciples would recognize it. It's going back to the story of God and Moses where God reveals himself to Moses in a, in a burning bush. And he says, hey, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And Moses is feeling some fear, like, I don't think I'm up for this. I don't, like, why would they believe me? Who should I tell them is even sending me? And God responds to him, I am. Tell them I am has sent you. It's the name of God. And here Jesus is saying to them in the midst of this storm, hey, take courage. I am. Do not be afraid. I am with you. You see, he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I'm in the middle of this with you. And right away, it's like Jesus would go, oh, guys, sorry about this. I didn't mean to send you out into a storm in the middle of this. Let me get you out of this. He doesn't take them out of the storm. He enters the storm with them. And listen, this is important. This is very, very important for some of you because you feel a sense of condemnation or, or guilt over feeling the fear that you do. The presence of fear does not indicate the absence of God. The presence of fear does not indicate the absence of God. Here are the disciples, they're terrified, they're afraid. And yet Jesus enters the storm with them. So the story goes on, Lord, 
If it's you, Peter replies. Peter now, you know, he's, he's brash. He's, he's, you know, reactive. He's the man's man. And, and Lord, if it's you, he says, tell me to come to you on the water. It's almost like Peter's reaction is kind of like, well, if it's really you, because remember, they're thinking it's a ghost. Lord, if it's really you, prove it. Prove it to me. And how many times do we do this? How many times do, do we say, God, prove to me that you're really here. Prove to me that you're really involved. Prove to me that you really care by doing this for me, by, by changing my situation, by rescuing me from, from what I find myself in or what I've gotten myself into, or we begin to negotiate with God. Have you ever done this before? Hey, God, if, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Like we, we can negotiate with, with the creator. Or we test the waters. You know, we want, we want proof. All right, God, if it's really you, then I need to see these things. Peter says, if it's you, then tell me to walk out to you. So this is great. Jesus calls his bluff. Jesus says, come, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, man, if that was the end of the story, boom, like mic drop moment, Peter would be like, yeah. But it's not. We all know the story. It's not the end of the story. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You see, I got to imagine there's a moment when Peter climbed out of the boat and starts walking on water. He's probably like, oh my gosh. Like, I am really just, and suddenly the wind, the waves, all of that, you're not thinking about that. He's thinking like, I am walking on water. But it didn't take long that, man, now the waves are starting to smack against him. And he's probably feeling his, his clothes getting wet, maybe getting heavier as the water begins to soak in them. And, and the rain's hitting his face and, and his hair's beginning to come you know, down over his eyes. It's like I, it's getting harder to see and his heart's beginning to race. And now maybe his feet are, are beginning to get under the water a little bit. He's like, hey, what's happening? I'm not on the water because now he's starting to look around a little bit more. Maybe now he's down to his knees and, and the waves are getting higher on him. And he begins to focus on those things. And he looks down and suddenly, what does he see? Water, waves, ocean. Many of us have felt this same thing for weeks now. It almost seems like an eternity. First wave hits. Man, there's this virus spreading around the world. This is kind of getting weird. It's kind of getting a little scary. Second wave hits. Man, shelter in place, how long is this going to last? But all right, well, I'll just all come home. Third wave hits. Well, man, now suddenly I'm, I became a homeschool mom and dad, and I've never done this before. I don't know how to do this. Fourth wave hits. Now you're trying to balance, you know, kids and, and work and homeschool and, and bills. And all this. Fifth wave hits. Now like, okay, my hours have been reduced, or, or maybe you were furloughed, or maybe you even lost your job. You know, fifth, sixth wave hits. Seventh wave hits. Eighth wave. And it just has felt like wave after wave after wave has been hitting. And that's when fear begins to take over. And that's when fear begins to give us this sense of, of tunnel vision where all we can see are the waves that are slamming against us. All we can see is what is surrounding us, what's around us. And that's the mission of fear. 
The mission of fear is to get us focused on the waves. The mission of fear is to say, this is it. There's no way out of this. It's nowhere but down from here. But here's the beauty of Peter's experience. That can be our experience too. It's the second thing that we see, that faith is a continuous choice. Where fear is a constant companion, faith is a continuous choice. Because this is the moment where, where we all become people of prayer. Whether you're a, a believer, a religious person, a Christ follower or not, you'd say, I don't even have faith, I'm not even try to believe what you, you're saying. But you've had this experience. You've had an experience of desperation where suddenly like you're reaching out to God, like I've got my back against the corner. I don't know how to get myself out of this. And my only way is, uh, God, you got to help me. And if you do, and we're back into that whole scenario. But faith is a continuous choice. You see, Peter could have turned around as soon as he started sinking, as soon as he looked, and he could have started swimming back to the boat. I got to rescue myself. I got to get back to the boat. What was I thinking coming out here? But it's not what he did. Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Because faith is a continuous choice. An example of this, I want us all to take a moment and watch Lisa's story. Hi, my name's Lisa Harrington. Uh, I just wanted to share a couple of things that have happened uh, for me over the last few days. I started to not feel well on Thursday. Uh, my throat was hurting and turned into a dry cough and my stomach was bothering me. Um, and of course, those are among the symptoms that happen for people when they get the coronavirus. So uh, fear was in the house, I was, I was afraid. And I'd been um, watching a lot of news and a lot of reports and seeing a lot of the stories. And you know, there's a big difference between being uh, informed and being um, consumed. And I was being consumed by the information that I was taking in. Uh, I, called, I called my friend Tina and we prayed together over the phone. And she started to pray about the spirit of distress and the spirit of death. I got to admit that having somebody pray about the spirit of death was a little bit disconcerting for me, but I thought about the spirit of distress and I thought, that's it. I am completely distressed. I've just given in to this fear um, and was my heart was distressed. So we prayed about that. Um, and as we prayed, I started to I started to be aware of a sense of peace that was that was coming coming over me. And that, that feeling of peace grew throughout the day. Um, it grew and, and it just uh, it just continued to get bigger and it's here now. So for me, uh, uh, Tina wasn't necessarily or didn't end up being a, a prayer of um, for physical healing. But it was a prayer for um, a heart healing and an emotional healing and a turning back um, and remembering uh, what path I want to be on and remembering that my hope, my faith, everything rests in the Lord. Sharing something like this can be a little bit embarrassing um, when we walk with the Lord or when I've walked with the Lord for so long to then have something like this derail me. Um, but this is what's true. Uh, this is what's honest. And uh, I'm guessing that there's a lot of us that are feeling afraid and a lot of us uh, being consumed and um, focusing too much time and attention on, on what the media is presenting. And I just want to remind you uh, that our hope and um, our, our hope is in the Lord. And just remembering that and falling to my knees um, and looking to the Lord um, has really helped. Uh, and so the peace that I have today um, is wonderful and the fear that I had yesterday is gone. Author Susan Jeffries says this, she says, the ultimate fear 
underneath all of our other fears or of loneliness or rejection or failure or so on, the ultimate fear is I can't handle it. Something really bad is going to happen to me and I won't be able to handle it. That's ultimately the fear that we feel. And here's one of the things that is so important for us to understand that, that the story of God and man, the, the story, the narrative we see throughout the Bible is not that God is going to save us from the storm. He's not always going to save us from the storm. But the narrative that we see, the story that we see, the dynamic that we see between God and man is that God will save us often through the storm. The story is not how I'm going to be able to handle it, how I can kind of get control of these various things, but how God is going to show himself faithful through it. You see, God designed us to experience fear because it's through fear that we find faith. Fear becomes the seed for faith. Fear becomes the the fertile soil for faith. It's where faith is born. It's where faith emerges. And and here Peter, sinking down in the water, he makes the continuous choice of faith, saying, Lord, save me. So we're told immediately Jesus reaches out his hands. He caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed out of the boat, the wind died down, and, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. This is the part of the story I love, because Jesus is so close to him, in the middle of the storm, he simply reaches out his hand, and he takes Peter. Jesus was so close when Peter's fear took over, he just said, Peter, Peter, grab my hand. And this is where we see that fear is a catalyst for our faith. Fear is a constant companion. Faith is a continuous choice. And fear is a catalyst for our faith. Notice Jesus doesn't say to him, Peter, you have no faith, dude. Like I just did all of this stuff like hours ago, the last couple days even. He doesn't say any of that to Peter. He doesn't say you have no faith, Peter. He says, oh, you have a little faith. I mean, honestly, let's give credit where credit is due. Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat. None of the other guys did. But Peter's like, hey, you told me to come. I'll come. And he jumped out. So he had enough faith to get out of the boat. But Jesus says to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? In essence, he's asking, why didn't you trust me? I'm here in the middle of it with you. Why didn't you trust me? You see, fear begins with doubt. That's ultimately where fear begins. It's doubt. Some of you are feeling that right now. It's it's the reason you have the fear. Your doubt is, well, does does God know my situation? Is he aware of the gravity of of what my family is experiencing right now? What I'm going through financially or emotionally or, or, or spiritually even? Does he even care? Is God really in control? I don't know. Look at how this thing is just spread everywhere. Does God even care? Is God going to do anything about this? Fear springs from doubt. But Jesus reaches out his hand. Like in an offer of of peace, an offer of reconciliation, an offer of rescue. Peter, just take my hand. And Peter's faith to take Jesus' hand. It's not in the story, but but, and I've never thought really about this, but it, it struck me today. Think about this. They had to walk back to the boat. 
So they had to walk on the water together again, back to the boat. Peter found his faith again, and with his hand in Jesus's, they walked back to the boat. And notice that his faith, when they climb in and Jesus climbs in, it brings peace to everybody else in the boat. The storm gets quieted. You see, when we can find our faith in the middle of fear, when we lean into faith, when we allow our fear to be sort of that fertile ground for faith, it brings peace to those who are around us. It brings peace to those who are around us. So what is this faith? What is the faith that God wants us to experience in the storm? Because it's so easy to say that. Well, just have faith. What is that kind of faith that God wants us to have? Well, Hebrews 11.1 tells us this. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. You see, we're to have a, a, a faith that believes in a hope of the future. We're to have a confidence that is not dependent upon the circumstances that surround us, the scenario that we find ourselves in, but a faith that hopes, a faith that's confident. Now, how is that possible? Because some of us are like, well, my faith is in myself. My faith is in my abilities. My faith is in my, my business model that I have in place. Or my faith is in my investment strategy that's kind of getting wiped out. Or my faith is in my portfolio that I've put together. My confidence is in these things that I've built for myself. This security that I've put in place around myself. And then a virus comes along. And it shuts down economies and, and it drives down markets and it, and it changes how society operates. That's not the faith the Hebrews is talking about. The faith that gives us hope, the faith that gives us confidence is a faith founded in the one who defeated sin and death. You see, right before the writer of Hebrews talks about a faith that has hope and is confident, he says this. He says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. You see, the faith that gives us hope, the faith that has confidence, the faith that gives us an assurance is possible because of Christ. It's possible because of Christ crucified and risen again. It's possible by, by the power of Christ who gave his life and now through his life, we have direct access to God. You see, the writer of Hebrews says that, that we can get close to God just as Peter was close to Jesus. And as we wrestle through our fears, we can lean into faith because we have access to the God who controls the winds and the waves. Now, it's an interesting note here that this same story about Peter and, and Jesus is found also in Mark, Mark's account of, of what happened. And in Mark, he tells us that actually as Jesus was walking to the boat, Jesus intended to pass him by. He intended to just keep walking to the other side. And, and I don't know why. Maybe Jesus' thought was like, hey, I, I, they've got faith. They've seen me do all these great things, these miraculous things around them. And, and yeah, it's, it's rough rowing, but they got it. And I'm just going to walk by. What's up, guys? See you on the other side. And maybe his expectation was they were going to be like, yo, Jesus, <laughs> a little tougher than we thought, but we'll get there. You know, we'll see you when we get over there. 
Or maybe, maybe God was just waiting for them to take the next step of faith. And as they took that step of faith, God would show his faithfulness. See, we think we're alone in the midst of our fear. We think, man, this is all dependent on me. And then Jesus shows up unexpectedly. And maybe he's doing it because he's like, here's the opportunity. You're going to lean into faith because it's there. I'm right here with you. Now, there's practical actions we can take. There's practical actions we can take to, to overcome fear and lean into faith. And very quickly as we wrap this up, let me give you some, some simple next steps you can do. The first is this. Protect your thoughts. Protect your thoughts. Man, this 24-7 news cycle that's been created around us, it is not helpful. It is not beneficial. You don't need to know all the latest stats. Let's just call it like it is. You don't need to know the latest body count. You don't need to know some of the stuff that we just feel like, I've got to have it, I've got to consume it, I've got to know it, I've got to... It's not helpful. Like Lisa shared in her story. What we bring into our mind, what we bring in, begins to control our thoughts, begins to control our reactions. Protect your thoughts. Fears are real, but God is still in control. The second is this, raise the practice of prayer. Now, Matt talked about this last week. He's in everything, take everything to God in prayer. And yet when we get consumed, when we get our eyes down on, on, the, on the waves and the wind and it's all smacking us, it's funny how prayer can kind of take a, a backseat to us trying to like, okay, I got to fix this. But raise the practice of prayer. Focus your mind on God. Keep that conversation with God active and alive. The third is this, look beyond yourself. Look beyond yourself. You see, when we get stuck in our fears, the world shrinks. When we get tunnel vision and fear narrows our focus and we begin to lose sight of, of what's around us and how we can actually reach out and be a help, be a blessing, be a display of the love of Christ to others. And the best way to overcome this, the best way to defeat this tendency towards, towards a fear-driven self-centeredness is to focus your eyes on what you can do for the others around you. Look beyond yourself. Get involved with some of the ways that, that we're trying to reach out to the community around us. Be a blessing to somebody. Next is this, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Instead of being focused on what is being lost, and stuff is being lost. It's not to diminish that at all. But look around at what you have to be thankful for. For some of you, it's the family that surrounds you. For some of you, it's that you still have employment. You still have income coming in. For some of you, it's, it's you know, you can look around you and go, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the support of friends. I'm thankful for the support of my church community. God, I'm thankful for, for you that you're in this with me. Practice gratitude. You see, in cultivating an attitude of, of gratitude, we can effectively turn our thoughts away from fear and into faith. And the last is this, probably the most important and the most obvious. Trust God with what you can't control. Trust God with what you can't control. When we reach the end of what we can do, trust God with what only he can do. So, could it be that maybe the fear we're feeling, could it be that maybe the, the fear that you're feeling right now is, is an invitation into something greater? 
is an invitation into a deeper experience of faith in God. Maybe maybe you need to to face your fear and actually get out of the boat of self-reliance and trust that Jesus is in the storm with you. Or or maybe you need to place your hand in, in his and follow him. Maybe you need to, to get your eyes off the waves, back on Jesus. Grab his hand, he's with you. Maybe you need to get back in the boat with him and let him quiet the storm around you. You see, when we respond to fear with faith, with confidence, with assurance, with trust, our fears, which are very, very real, get put in comparison to our God, who is so much bigger, who is so much greater, who is with us. And in just a moment, Michaela is going to lead us into a a song that's sort of a confession. It's sort of a declaration of that very thing that at times we can struggle with our trust. We can struggle with our unbelief. We can struggle with these things. But God, you are so much bigger than what surrounds me right now, than what I'm walking through right now, that I can have a faith that's greater than my fear. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer for myself, my prayer for my family, my, my prayer for every person who's, who's watching right now, wherever they may be in a, in a living room or in an, in an office or watching on a phone or surrounded by loved ones or, or maybe by themselves right now, for all of us, Lord, that in the fear that we feel, whatever it is, whatever level or degree or intensity, that in the, in the midst of that fear, that we would see you in the middle of the storm with us. That we would, that we would literally have this mental picture of, of your hand reaching out to us. I'm here. I am with you. I am. Take my hand. And that, Lord, we would lean into faith. We would lean into your promises. We would lean into that access we have directly to you and allow you, God, to, to quiet the storm around us. Whatever that may look like, whatever that may mean, but that through this, our faith be greater than the fears that we feel. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 845, 10, and 1115. Uh, For directions or information about What we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today.